0: Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. I want to remind you guys of a Bible verse that we hold um, dear to us at Way City Church, uh, especially in the area of discipleship, and it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and verse 8. And it says this, So we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very own lives as well. In 2020, I was given the unique opportunity from the Lord to not only share with you the gospel, but I also opened my life to you so that you could see the struggles and trials that were being faced by the ones who were leading you. And sometimes we only ever speak of our challenges from a place of a testimony. And what I mean is after the fact. Several years ago, I went through this, and this is what the Lord did. And praise God. Praise God for testimonies. testimonies are amazing. God is glorified, the devil is put to shame, and people will always learn something when a testimony is given. However, we, we, re, we rarely hear, this is what I'm you know, currently going through. This is what's going on right now. And I think sometimes that can be even more encouraging and even more real, and usually requires a greater sense of vulnerability. So that's what we began to do for you guys in 2020. We opened our lives up to you and you begin to see some of those challenges. As a church, we have six main values. Six main values as a church. How many of you guys know what they are? So, yep, yeah, 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 Anyone else want to shout something out? So, As you guys know, transformative biblical teaching, right? spirit-led worship and prayer, genuine discipleship, effective outreach and evangelism, kingdom diversity, and godly families. So today I want to dwell on the family for a little bit, godly families. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. And look briefly at God's design for the Christian home. And I'm not preaching uh, a normal message today. Just sharing some things with you guys today. So Colossians chapter 3, let's look at God's design for the Christian home. We also find God's design for the Christian home in Ephesians chapter 5 and Ephesians chapter 6 as well. But today I'm just going to um, briefly, and I'm not, not preaching today just uh, sharing some things with you guys. Colossians 3, 18 through 21. The Bible says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children as they become Discouraged. And then Ephesians 6 and verse 4 also says, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. I personally believe that the fastest way that a father can provoke his children to wrath is by being absent. There are many things that a father can do to provoke his child to wrath, but I believe the the fastest way is by being absent. As many of you guys know, I started a mentoring program at the Juvenile Detention Center back in 2014, and over several years had the opportunity to mentor uh, many juveniles, many young men. And I can tell you that 90% of the young men that I mentored had absent fathers, had no fathers in the home. And I can tell you that they were all very angry. If you didn't know, I, I like math and I, and I love numbers. So according to the breakdown of Colossians chapter three for a healthy biblical Christian home, 50% of the work is done by the men. 25% by the women, and 25% by the children. Colossians 3, let's look at it again real quick. Wives, submit to your own husbands as fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So 50% of the work here is done by the men, 25% by the woman, and 25% by the child or the children. Let me read some stats for you guys this morning. And these stats come from, some come from fatherhood.gov, uh, and the others come from, some others come from um, earlyimpactva.org. 93% of all people incarcerated are, and 85% of them have no father figure. What they're saying is, 93% of all people incarcerated are fathers. But also, 85% of them in prison have no, or had no father figure. Fatherless children are five times as likely to live in poverty, repeat a grade, and have emotional problems. Another source said this about absentee fathers. The problems associated with absentee fathers and the impact that they have on our children, including father and daughter relationships, have been well publicized over the last several years. It seems that we acknowledge the problem. However, we are not sure what to do as a remedy. What is more alarming is that the problem is even worse according to the latest research statistics. According to 72.2% of the US population, absentee fathers is the most significant family or social problem facing America. What does this mean? I'm going to throw some stats up there. Number one, an estimated 24.7 million children live absent from their biological father. Number two, there are, seven, there are almost 17 million children living with single mothers. Number three, 1.25 million of all births in 1995 were out of wedlock. Number four, today nearly four out of ten first marriages end in divorce. 60% of divorcing couples have children, and over one million children each year experience the divorce of their parents. Number five, four out of every ten cohabitating couples have children present, and have children born of Two cohabitating couples, only four out of ten will see their parents marry. Those who do cohabitate experience a 50% higher divorce rate. Number six, 26% of absentee fathers live in a different state than their children. Number seven, about 40% of the children who live in absentee father households haven't seen their fathers in at least a year, while 50% of children who don't live. With their fathers have never stepped foot in their father's home. Number eight, and finally, children who live absent from their biological fathers on average are more likely to be poor, experience educational, health, emotional, and psychological problems, be victims of child abuse, and engage in criminal behavior than their peers who live with their married biological mother and and currently 57.7% of all black children 31.8% of all Hispanic children and 20.9% of all white children are living in single parent homes the evil one is after the family structure I said the evil one is after the family structure and the evil one is after your family, and the evil one is after our family. When I first went into ministry as a young, single teenager, I used to think that ministry was where my number one allegiance was supposed to be. And I also heard people, many people debate about it. Is is it ministry first? Or is it family first? I've heard debates on this. Ministry first, family first. After all, what is your calling? And many of you have have heard that or thought about that. You know, what is my calling? What is my calling? Well, after salvation, the first calling that I heard and was aware of from the Lord Jesus Christ was a call by God into the ministry in 2005. And this was and is the calling that I speak of most often with a sense of great pleasure and delight. This is what I loudly proclaim with a sense of great honor and dignity and satisfaction. The call into ministry. However, it took me many years to realize that I have multiple callings. Not just called to be a pastor and a teacher. But in 2009, I got married. And at that time and now, I'm also called to be a husband. In 2012, I had a son. And at that time and now, I'm also called to be a father. So these are not just other hats that I wear. These are not just other, other roles that I play. These are not just other characters that I bring to life on the stage. But these are callings. Divine callings from God. And the truth that I want to highlight to you today, if you two are a husband and or a father, is that this is a calling. And among your top. Whatever God calls you to do or be is of utmost significance. Amen? Amen? And to be a husband and to be a father is a privilege, a gift, a blessing, and a great responsibility. It's not something that all are awarded with, and it's a no burden. And I say exactly the same things to the women today, to be a wife and a mother is a privilege, a gift, a blessing, and a great responsibility. And it's not something that all have been awarded with, and it is not a burden. Moving on, I've spent at least eight years of my life training for ministry. Eight years. Six years in Bible college and seminary. And two years specifically and intentionally with church planting, with New City Network slash McLean Bible Church and the New City Fellowship. So, eight years training and, and um and studying for ministry. I've been in ministry 16 years and spent eight years in training while I was ministering. And why did I do that? Because it's my calling. Right? Because it's my calling, but I'm also called to be a father and a husband. So I was thinking of this how much time have I spent intentionally training and studying the art of being a great husband and an amazing father? I was thinking of this. How much time have I actually spent studying and like training the art of being a great husband and a great father? And I spent time with my family, a lot of time with my family, but in training and studying, nowhere close to in comparison what I've spent training for ministry. And I don't believe that the Lord is, is calling me to, um, is telling me that the training has to be equal. right? I, I don't believe he's, he's saying that by no means. But, he is telling me that it is significant. It is very significant. So, with that being said, I do believe and know that in this season of my life, I'm being called to pull back and to focus intentionally on the needs of my family. Amen. That means my bride and that means my children. So, in this season, I'm going to take the the next several weeks off from the ministry in order for me to do two things that I believe the Lord's calling me to do and Some brothers around me who I love and respect also believe that God is calling me to do. So two things in this season, number one is to take care of my family. We had a very challenging year that we just came out of and you guys are aware of that. From Moses' accident to wife in the hospital with pneumonia to our son coming two months early and being in the NICU for eight weeks to my wife having cancer and surgeries, and then Joshua having three surgeries. And um, so we we have had, and our life has been on display for the most part, but we've had a a crazy year. Um, And some of last year's strains and previous strains in combination has affected us, me and my family. So number one in this season is for me to take care of family. And number two is for me to rest. So those are two things that I believe the Lord's calling me to do in this season. And, I'm, and I know that you understand. Amen. Amen. So taking care of my family in this season for me means several things. And here's just a few. Working on myself to be the best husband and father that God has called me to be. Amen. Being present to meet the needs of my wife and children. Getting alone with just my wife and and going on a vacation somewhere. Getting alone with the family, the wife and kids and getting away somewhere. Worshiping together, being together on on Sunday morning. And then for me, what rest looks like is, is me getting away alone. Um, without family. Uh, just me and the Lord. So this is what I'm going to be doing for the next several weeks without focusing on history. Amen? Amen? So this is very much needed for me and for my family. And this is a priority. Not just in this season, but after this season too. It's a priority. So Sharing that with you, not because I have to, but because I wanna make it clear to you that our family goes through struggles too. Our life was, was pretty much again on, on display last year with everything that we went through and we, and we invited you guys in to share in some of that stuff with us. And we want you to, to see as much as is wise for us to share some of our trials and weaknesses so that you can bring your own trials to the light as well. Amen? Amen. Leading can be challenging sometimes. You can lead from the back or you can lead from the front. My hope is that my family's vulnerability over the past year will cause you and us as a church to be vulnerable with one another and with me and to bring your things into the light And allow the Lord to begin to heal as He does best. Amen. Amen. Nothing grows or heals in the dark. And I want you to know that I'm truly excited, sincerely excited about this season. I am, I am very excited about this season. Uh, This season of resting and listening and learning and growing and serving. Um, And my family is in a good place today. And we're not in a good place because everything is perfect and great. But we're in a good place because I've made a conscious decision to take the time to rest and focus on them and what they need from me and for who they need me to be. Amen. My favorite people to be around. It's truly, 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 remember the trihagion? Truly, 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 my family. My favorite people in the world to be around and they need to know that in this season. I wanna be the absolute best husband that my wife knows I can be. I wanna be the best father that my children need me to be. And I wanna be the best pastor that the Lord is calling me to be. Amen? Amen. I was speaking with um, Chris Ortiz a couple months ago um, while he was here, and he was sharing with me that his oldest son, Camden, uh, came to faith. That's his his six-year-old. And he was explaining to me how he's growing in the Lord, and he was blown away by what God was doing in and through little Camden's heart. And he said something to me that hit me. You know, he said that even in his weaknesses as a father, he was astounded, basically, at what God was doing through him to his son. And I thought about that. And I thought about Second Corinthians 12 and verse 9. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. His strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. And our children, they, they see our weaknesses and shortcomings, and they see where we fall short. And by the way, that's a great opportunity for you um, as fathers to be vulnerable with your children and remind them of, uh, of the gospel um, and of that we're all fallen and that we're all sinners and that daddy's in need of grace too, right? That's a great opportunity to, um, to minister to your kids. But I want to encourage you with, with that word, even in our weaknesses as fathers, you can still work through God can still work through what we give to our children. So even in your weakness as fathers, and it's the same for mothers, but I'm speaking and it's the same for, for mothers, but I'm speaking to the men primarily. Our weaknesses as fathers, God can still work through what we give to our children. But let's give them something. Amen let's give them something and let's give God something to work with. Camden took communion here for the, for the first time a couple of months back um, and, and God is working in his heart and God is working in many of the children from the Way City Church in their hearts too so I'm excited about what God is doing in their heart and, and Moses too. Moses came to faith, my son um, around Camden's age about a year and a half ago when, when he was right around um, six and one of the greatest gifts for me last year was the birth of my son Joshua, but also that my son Moses, that he acquired a, a love for the Scriptures and a daily discipline of spending time with God. And he started and he read last year the, the entire book of Genesis. Amen? And then after Genesis, he read Exodus. And then he started on Leviticus, but I stopped him. (laughs) I said, let's go over to the New Testament. So so we started together, and and he started in John. And then he worked his way through John to Acts to Romans. Can you guys help me? To 1st and 2nd Corinthians to Galatians. Come on. To Ephesians, to Philippians, to... Colossians to first Thessalonians Second Thessalonians to first Timothy to Second Timothy to Titus to Philemon? Yeah, to to what? We need help? No, 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 I'm good. To to Philemon to Hebrews. I didn't hear anyone say Hebrews. Hebrews to James to First Peter, Second Peter. First, second, third, John, Jude, and Revelation, and then he read Matthew, and then he read Mark, and we, as a family, went through Luke together in December. So he's reading Luke now um, by himself, but he read the entire New Testament. Yeah, and I and I and I praise I praise God, I praise God for that. And um, and little Camden wants to be baptized. Moses wants to be baptized as well. So our first baptisms probably be be the young ones. Amen. <laughs> Anyway, as I our values as a church, one is godly families, amen. Yeah. Yeah. As I finish up here, you know, I ask them, um, my brother Mark Campbell, to um, to um, to briefly uh, share today. But I'm going to um, ask him after I share this final thought to come up here and to um, and to pray with us and to um, to give us a five minute. Um, also, word. Um, so grateful for you, brother. Um, in this, in this season, um, I want you to know there are there are many brothers that I could invite in here to to minister to you. But we also have brothers in here um, that are faithful um, and that are gifted. So, um, so while I'm out, just so you guys know, so uh, the majority of it is going to be from um, our brothers internally. Amen. Amen. So, Pastor Zelako will share and. Um, and Dave will share and Curtis will share um, and uh, Pastor Campbell may come back and share it. if not uh, someone else will um, but, but I was thinking about this you know, I was thinking about, about Peter um, before I get out of the way here and do you remember when, when Jesus was getting ready to wash the feet of the disciples and then he, you know, he came to Peter and Peter responded, blurts out and he says you will never wash my feet Do you know what that was? That was his flesh. That was his flesh. That was Peter's flesh that was speaking. And then Jesus says, He says, Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then Peter speaks again. And then he says, Okay, Lord, wash my feet and my hands and my head also. And do you know what that was? That was his flesh. That was Peter's flesh that was speaking again. And the flesh can either be behind what God is doing, and sometimes the flesh can try to get ahead of what God is doing. When Jesus said, Let me wash your feet, and Peter said, No way, he was behind what God was trying to do in his life. God was trying to, to do something, and he was like, No. And then when Peter said, Hey, wash everything, he was getting ahead of what Jesus was intentionally and specifically trying to do in his life. And the Bible tells us to have no confidence in Philippians 3.3, have no confidence in the flesh, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And then we see later in John chapter 13, that Peter says again in the same chapter, he says, I will lay down my life for you. He says, I'll die for you. And Jesus responds and says to him, Before the rooster crows, Peter, you deny that you even know me. Three times. Peter's like, Lord, I'll die for you. Jesus says, Today, Peter, three times before the rooster crows, you will deny that you even know me. 1 Corinthians ten twelve. Let he who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. The flesh can be very courageous, and the flesh will often attempt to convince you that you're doing better than you actually are. But humility will open your eyes and reveal to you the truth. What would your children say if you ask them how you were doing as a father? What would your wife say if you ask her how you are doing as a husband? Ask them today. That's not a suggestion. So ask them today. And if they say you're doing well, ask them how you can do better. Amen? Amen. And the only thing that will stop you from asking your family that question today will be the flesh brother mark can you c- come up here and pray for us so um, share a brief word with us
1: well it's uh it's an honor to be here with you guys always um, wow well, um, it's really hard to lead a church and to pastor to plant a church Um, and uh, I just want to encourage you guys that you really have a godly, wonderful pastor. Um, It it takes a tremendous amount of courage and humility to get up and do what Marlon just did and to say, I'm a human too. I'm in need of Jesus' grace too. I need a rest. I mean, they've been through an incredibly difficult year. And um, and so just be encouraged, I would say, by by Marlon's humility, the example he is setting um, and and just um, praise God that that he's leading this church and that he's leading you all. And um, I'm just so thankful that you all are here, that uh, it's so clear to me that this church is uh, united, that you guys love each other that you're supporting one another, you're supporting Marlon and Deborah and their family. And uh, I'm just really excited about what God's going to do in this season, in the Yearwoods, in your church, and then beyond that, where God's going to take you. I really, really have a tremendous amount of confidence that God is going to continue to do amazing things and that uh, that we're really going to see that uh, that prayer that Paul uh, spoke in in ephesians three you know he can do abundantly more than we could ever ask or think and I really think that that's going to be the story here and so i'm i'm uh I'm praying for you guys and and just really excited in what god's going to do um, let me pray and then i'm going to share just a short word and then and then we will continue on so let's let's pray god I just Thank you for your grace and mercy. Jesus, um, where would we be without you? Uh, Lord, I know, uh, I I, I don't know where I would be without the the unbelievable forgiveness of Jesus in my life. uh, The work of the Holy Spirit in our life to change us, to make us more like you, Jesus. To empower us to be the men and women that you've called us to be. And, Lord, I just pray right now for for Marlin, for the Yearwoods. I'm just so thankful for their heart for you, their love for you, their love for this church. And, God, just pray that in this season that you would do a mighty work. God, uh, Lord, just pour your blessing and favor out upon the Yearwoods. Lord, they have been through an incredibly difficult year. And, Lord, we're thankful that they're still standing here. God, there are many, many times, I'm sure, that, that uh could have been tempting just to throw the towel and to, to just say, God, why are we going through all of this? But, God, they have walked in faith through it all, trusting you. And, uh, Lord, I just pray that, God, this season that, that Marlon's going to take just to be able to rest, to breathe deeply, to receive from you, God. Um, I just pray that uh, that you would just honor that, that you would continue to to make him into that that godly father, that godly husband and and pastor God. Uh, I just pray for the Way City Church, Lord. I pray that you do something amazing in the next couple weeks, that you would just continue to to build this church up, to equip this church, to unite this church around the gospel, around the mission you've given us to make disciples in this city. And Lord, I just pray uh, that you would continue to speak through the men who will come and preach uh, and that you will continue to bind this church together as a people, as a family, Lord, brothers and sisters in Christ who are encouraging one another, building one another up in faith, and Lord, going out on mission to bring the good news of the gospel to. Woodbridge, and to the ends of the earth so God we're just thankful um, that your mercy is lavish abundant and uh, it, it has no bounds there is there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ and so we just give you praise for that Jesus and we pray all this in your holy name amen well, it has been a challenging year, not just for the yearwoods, for a lot of us, and so I wanted to just share with you today a word that the Lord has really encouraged me with lately, um, and that is out of the book of Philippians. And so uh, Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to read to you just a short, it's not too short, but it's, it's a short section of scripture, so he, or, sorry, Philippians 3, verse, starting in verse 12 says this, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Okay, so um, can we all agree that how we think is pretty important, right? And in this particular passage, Paul is saying, think a certain way. Think a certain way. He says, those of you who are mature, think this way. Now, what is that thing? What is the way Paul is asking us to think? And this passage, it's a little bit uh, awkward. It's a little bit kind of hard to understand. The sentence structure is a bit uh, strange. The verbs is a bit strange. But in the Greek here, what Paul is doing, he's using some imagery really of a, a Grecian race. He's using this idea uh, that I'm in this race, kind of like the uh, the Olympics, a, a race that he's in, and he's giving this picture using an analogy of a runner, and it's this idea that he has obtained something, that he's in this race, uh, almost that he's he's won the race, but he hasn't quite gone over the finish line yet, right? So it's he, he hasn't run through the tape at the end he hasn't stood on the podium and and really truly won but he is he's in this race and and really what Paul is focusing in here is and he was completely obsessed it's what he thought about all the time is that final moment when he would cross that finish line when he's going to meet Jesus face to face that there is this prize Coming, and it's the prize of being in the presence of Almighty Jesus, and 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 it's this. He's just I'm gonna forget what's behind, thinking about a runner. Right? Nobody, nobody in a race, you don't turn your head and look back at the guy that's running uh, against you. If you do, you're you're gonna lose ground. And so Paul's kind of saying, I've got this singular focus. I'm focused on that finish line, on that finish line. Uh, that moment when I'm going to see Jesus face-to-face. Face. And, and he was obsessed with it, um, and, 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 and I just want to ask us, when was the last time you truly pondered what it's going to be like when you see Jesus face-to-face, face? that moment? And uh, I think a lot of us don't like doing this because it forces us to think about our mortality. Well, I'm going to die one day. There's going to be a moment when I cross that finish line and I see Jesus face to face. And, and we don't like to acknowledge that because it forces us to think about our mortality. We're in one of the most death uh, defying cultures and denying cultures in the history of the world. We don't want to think about that. But Paul thought that way. So just let that that sink in, Paul says his whole life was all about preparing for that moment. I am focused on that moment. Um, I, I have a little uh, uh, illustration that I totally forgot to bring with me it's actually I, I have a hundred foot rope i 'm just going to describe it to you. I have a hundred foot rope and, and kind of lay out that rope and, and have it laid out across the entire stage. And, um, and, and the rope is supposed to illustrate the timeline of your life. And the illustration breaks down a little bit because, in reality, that rope should go on for all eternity. There's no end. And and what I have on that rope is I colored this little section right at the end of the rope. and And that little section is supposed to represent your time on earth. It's this little, little bit. And there's this extremely long... Endless rope if you think about it and what Paul was saying essentially is We spend so much time Concerned about thinking about this little section and yet the reality is is man, we have this eternity before us and How often do you think about the rest of the rope? How often are you thinking about all of eternity? That is coming for us. The, the glorious reality that we get to spend eternity with Christ. And yet we get so focused in and wrapped up on what is here and now. And, um, and, and so, you know, just think about that. Paul was, he was just obsessed with that moment he's going to finish. Go across that finish line, meet Jesus face to face, and then he says, I've got all of eternity with Jesus. And so, I mean, we remember Paul says things, crazy things, right? To live is Christ, to die is gain. Who says that? Paul says that. And he's saying to us, think this way, be obsessed with Jesus. And, and it's going to be, I mean, you can think about, think about the best day you've ever had on, in your life. Your best day. Man, it was perfect. I had joy. I had peace. Whatever that best day is, when we cross that finish line, it's going to be better. Infinitely better. Not even a comparison. Their eternal joy, eternal peace in the presence of Almighty Jesus. And, And so, really, the word I've got for you today is... Man, it's been a hard year. It's been a challenging time. But here's the deal. You've got a better day coming. You really do. Like, and that, that was Paul's mindset. I've got, he's writing this letter from jail. I mean, the man knew about suffering. In fact, um, in, uh, in Colossians, or not, sorry, Colossians, in 2 Corinthians... He, he gives us a rundown of the suffering he went through. I want to read it to you. This is 2 Corinthians 11. He says he had experienced countless beatings. He lost count. So many, right? Countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hands of, Jew, of the Jews, the forty lashes lest one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a day and a night I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in Toil and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from all other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So, on top of all that other stuff, he's like, I'm worried about you guys, right? I'm concerned about you. Like, he, I mean, it, his life makes COVID look like a walk in the park. Right? I mean, the guy had been through some serious stuff. So the question is, is how in the midst of all of that that he went through, how in the midst of everything the, the year would have gone through, how in the midst of everything you've been through the last year, your life, how do we have hope in the midst of all that? Because here's, here's the thing. I'm not naive enough to think that everyone here today is doing just fine. Are you doing fine? Are you doing well? How do we have hope in the midst of the trying circumstances that life throws at us? I mean, is there anyone here today that you're feeling stuck, boxed in, powerless to do anything um, to change your circumstances? Maybe you lost your job. Maybe your marriage is an utter train wreck. Maybe you've lost a loved one recently in the pandemic. Maybe you live your life in chronic pain. Maybe you are single and unbelievably lonely. Maybe you're married and unbelievably lonely. Maybe you uh, are are just walking through difficult days. Is there anyone here right now that you're, you're walking through a tough, tough, times. I mean, if there's anything that's lacking in our world right now, I would say it's hope. Right? And here's the beautiful news. Here's the beautiful news. Jesus, if you're feeling stuck right now, Jesus was stuck to a cross, a Roman cross, with his hands and feet nailed to that cross willingly allowing himself to be stuck taking on himself your sin your shame your guilt the record of death that stood against you the perfect son of God the only one who ever has ever walked this earth who didn't deserve death because he never did anything wrong he didn't deserve death and he willingly went to that cross for you and me that we might have freedom, that we might have joy, that we might have forgiveness, that we might have peace in Him. The perfect Son of God became stuck for you. And the enemy thought he had Him pinned down, but we know how the story goes. Three days later, He rose from the grave. He didn't stay stuck. Sin and death didn't have the last word. Jesus defeats them, resurrecting from the grave. He became stuck for you that you, through faith in Him, don't have to stay stuck. We can have hope because we've got a better day coming. No matter what this life throws at us, you've got a better day coming. You really, really do. And Paul is saying, think this way. Have hope. Have joy. No matter what your circumstances, we can have hope because Jesus became stuck for you that we don't have to stay stuck having faith in Him. So, may we live our lives this way. Think this way. My challenge to you in the midst of whatever it is you're walking through is that you would think and focus your eyes on Christ. That you would think about That day you're going to see Jesus face to face. Think about the eternity that we have with him coming. A better day is coming. Um, And I'll close with this. So I I do live my life in chronic pain. I have, I have, I think I've shared with you guys, maybe. I've got arthritis riddled throughout my body. I've had a knee, total knee replacement, a total shoulder replacement before I was 40 years old. I need four other joint replacements that I'm currently pushing off right now. Um, And a couple weeks ago, um, I was just really, really down, uh, frustrated. Doctors didn't have any answers. And um, the Lord just really met me with this passage in particular. Because it goes on to say later in Philippians 3, it talks about how we are citizens of heaven Awaiting a Savior who will one day transform our lowly bodies into a glorious body like Jesus. Like, a better day's coming. There's hope. And the Lord just ah, he just infused in me this hope in, my, in a very, very low place. So I'm not talking... This is not theoretical to me. This is real. Like, this is real. You have a better day coming. So... Paul's saying, man, let's think this way. What might God do if we think this way? What might God do in your life personally? What might He do as you encourage others and engage others? What might He do through this church if we are a people infused with hope? It's in a world that is lacking hope. We'd be a different people. People would be like, what's up with those people? What's going on with them? I think I want what they have. Right? So, may you have hope the way City Church. There is so much hope to be had. So, let's focus our eyes on Jesus. Let's run that race. Let's keep focused on Him and let's have the hope that, like I said, a better day is coming. It really is. So, let me pray and then uh, we'll Sing another song, worship our Lord and Savior, and uh, give Him the glory. All glory is His. All the glory is His. Heavenly Father, we just thank You for the hope that we have in You, Jesus. Uh, Lord, I know in a room like this, there's a lot of stuff going on in our lives. Uh, Just know in my own life, I I can only imagine the the number of things going on in this room where we're challenged, we're... uh, we're beat down. We're frustrated. We're feeling stuck. But God, I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would infuse hope into every individual in this room. That you would give us eyes to see that, Lord, we have all the reason in the world, in the universe, to have hope that, that doesn't make sense to a world that doesn't know you, Jesus. And so, God, I, I, I just pray, give us that hope. Give us that joy that can only come through Jesus. We give you praise, Jesus, that you gave your life for us, that you rose from the grave, defeating sin and death, and Lord, that we can just walk through this life, no matter what life throws at us, we can walk with your peace, your joy. So we give you the glory, Christ. You are our unbelievable Lord and Savior. We love you. And we just thank you for what you're doing in this church. And God, I just pray uh, that the Way City Church would be a people marked by hope. So Holy Spirit, we know this is your work. We can't do this in our own lives. We can't change our hearts. You do that. And so we come to you now as, as a desperate people, knowing that you are a good, loving Father and that you will Give to us what we need, and you will give us that hope. So we just love you, we treasure you, we worship you, and we give you the honor and glory due to your name. So we pray this in and through your holy name, Jesus. Amen.
0: We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.